Welcome to Excellent Questions. I'm your host, Yahya Kala. This episode is brought to you by me. If you want to shorten your career transition from years to months, head on over to yahyakala.com to get started with a professionally trained career coach for free. Now on to my guest today. Have you ever wondered why you keep behaving in self-defeating ways? How you go for a drive somewhere and can't remember how you got there? My guest today is someone who not only appreciates, but harnesses the power of the unconscious mind to help his clients get results. I'm speaking of Jude Dola, a coach and consultant at the Proctor Gallagher Institute. We covered his career journey, how he went from manager to coach, and the books and mentors that helped him along the way. So let's get into it. So why don't we start off uh, talking a little bit about your your story, uh, where you started, and how you made your way to coaching. It was, I mean, I'm giving you dates. I mean, 2006, I started on this journey, really. Um, I was working in a corporate uh, setting as a credit manager, credit management and finance. Always liked what I was doing. And uh, come to a point after probably 20, 25 years, I I was there was no nothing going on for me like I didn't feel like going to work all of a sudden very you know that was very much out of character for me and I didn't know that I was trying to find out why I wasn't aware of that of what was going on with me internally right and um, and I started asking questions I told my boss of, of the time um, that I how I felt about work. And usually you don't tell your boss that because, you know, uh, people don't say to their company, their employer, they don't feel like working. But but I, I, I knew I could have this conversation with this, this person. And um, he really guided me in a direction that I was I was surprised. He gave me a book to read, like The Habits, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I read that book a few times, I think four times in a row. And, uh, and that book really opened my mind to why I was feeling the way I was feeling. It was giving me answers, right? And I started on a journey, 2006, uh, from one teacher to another. I found Bob Proctor. Uh, Bob Proctor, at the, 2006 was the year where The Secret came out. I think a lot of people know about The Secret, the movie. And... Uh, and I started working with Bob as, as, as a mentor, if you will, as a coach. And I started liking what he was teaching me through a couple of programs that I did. And um, I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on with me. My work was getting better. My team was performing better. And we only understood that when other people in the department asking us, what, what are you guys doing? And I didn't, I didn't really understand the question until somebody says, what are you guys doing differently? Then it clicked with me that we were doing things differently. We were doing the same things with a different approach, with a different mentality, different attitude, if you will. I would use the word attitude. And that got me going. I mean, after 10 years of doing, still, I'm still today, studying every day. Um, I book an hour every day for study. I, I think there's, you can't stop doing that. That's my perspective. And uh, after 10 years of doing that in a corporate setting, studying, and I was already coaching people. I didn't know I was doing that. 
I thought I was being the manager, <laughs> but at the same time I was coaching. And uh, in 2016, I had a conversation with, with my mentor, Bob Proctor, uh, in a setting of, uh, he was doing a, a seminar called Paradigm Shift. And on that, it was a three-day seminar. On day two, I remember that clearly, like it was yesterday, really. But I decided this is what I want to do. And that was the end of my corporate journey. And I've been doing this uh, going on five years this year. I decided to be to, mm. to be in this industry, to be a coach. You know, do it formally, if you will. So you mentioned this kind of all started with this book that you read, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, what is it about that book that really changed things for you? The thing is, that book made me understand that uh, we, we just, at least my experience, what I was doing, got me to understand that I was just waking up every morning, going to work, going home, cook dinner, whatever, watch TV, watch some news and go to bed. And I was repeating that every day. What I was doing is I was living the same life all the time. I was living the same day. I was just repeating. I, I never had any concept of growth. I never had any concept of understanding myself, understanding what I'm doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing, like asking me questions. I started to understand me, if you if you see what I mean. And, uh, and, and it got me thinking, why? That was a question that I asked myself. Why was I never introduced to this through all my years of going to school? Even in university, I never heard of any of that. And I, and I, and I thought to myself, we learn to do things. Like we learn to do things. How do we work, right? How do we do our processes at work and all that? But we, we don't learn who is doing the work. That was a big eye-opening, eye-opener for me. If you don't know who is doing the work and how, I mean, the work is trivial. It, it doesn't make any sense. So I got curious. I was I wanted to understand more. I wanted to understand more. And I started understanding the mind, which is the important thing that I did, uh, understanding conscious and subconscious mind. And that got me interested. I fell in love with the information. I fell in love with understanding that. And I fell in love with the person who I was. And that's not conceit, right? I started understanding, wanting to know more and more and more. That's how I started, really. So this book really opened your eyes to how the mind works and how to increase your productivity. Exactly. And from that book, I got, you know, I went on to read many books, many other authors in that space. Um, one author that I really like is Neville Goddard. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Neville. And uh, Thomas no. Troward. Thomas Troward really started the the new thought uh, experience, if you will, in the 40s or 50s, something like that. Thomas Troward, Neville Goddard. And I also like the, the writings of Joseph Murphy. He wrote the book, uh, Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And this is a book I recommend to everybody to read. You start understanding you, really. What is the significance of the unconscious mind compared to the conscious mind yeah that's <laughs> i love this question um subconscious mind is or unconscious mind we say subconscious is really what drives your behavior 
Um, because if you really think about it, we don't think when we do things. When you're driving from point A to point B, you're not thinking of the driving. You just get there. Would you agree? You just get there. Yeah. Really. It's only when you're learning to drive that you don't want anybody to interrupt you. You're focusing on your driving. You're all hands and gears and, and legs and everything. But once you get to driving, you're on the phone. You're doing everything else except driving. But you get to where you are going. This is habitual behavior. And that is controlled by your subconscious mind. Everything you do habitually is controlled by your subconscious mind. You don't have to think. We we really think probably 2-3% of the time. Why do I say that is, if I keep with the, the example of driving, you drive unconsciously, right? You're not... You're not there driving. Your body is there, but your mind may be in a different place. If something happens on the road, an accident or something, road closure, then you you kind of get conscious of the driving itself. What do I do now? Then you're in the moment of the driving. What do I do? Do I turn around? What do I do? And then you get back on the road and you're back to driving. You're not thinking of the driving. So conscious and subconscious. So most of the time we're, we're doing un, unconsciously. Very few things that we do, we go back in the moment and think consciously. That's just one example. But most of the thing we do is the same thing. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, it's, it just occurred to me that some behaviors you may want to make subconscious and then others you may want to remove from your subconscious. All right. So, did you learn how to how to make behaviors subconscious? I would say you don't learn to make uh, subconscious behaviors. You only make you only learn to make conscious behaviors, because subconsciously you just do. You're programmed to do what you do every day, the way you do it. Anything you do, you're programmed. You you react because you're programmed to do that, right? You react to certain things differently from other things. You react to certain people differently to other people. But it's it's programming. It's programming. Uh, programming meaning when you're little, you're programmed, for example, to speak the language you speak. Nobody teaches a child to speak. A child starts babbling at the age of two, three. We find what they're saying funny, but they start speaking. We don't sit the child down and teach them to speak. We teach them vocabulary, if that makes sense. We teach them, we correct them, when they make mistakes in speaking, but we don't teach the child to speak. So that is subconsciously, the child is absorbing what's going on around them in their environment. And so too does the child take on beliefs that's going around, beliefs about money, beliefs beliefs about religion, beliefs about how do we treat neighbors, beliefs about people who don't look like us. So, and, and we don't consciously react to those things. We accept those those beliefs and we internalize them, and it, it's what we become, and it's all subconscious. We don't think, oh, that person looks differently. I don't like them. We don't think like that. We just behave like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this this programming is basically repeated exposure over a long period of time. Then yes. it gets internalized into your subconscious. Correct, and it, and it, and that programming takes place for. Some say five, some say six, some say up to seven years of your first seven years of your life. And your belief is, is all there. 
you grow up with that set of beliefs. This is who you become, really. You become mm. that person. So you learned about the power of the subconscious mind mm -hmm. or the unconscious mind and how it gets formed through this exposure. Now, what do you do with that information? Yeah, if you wanted to, for example, help somebody uh, do better at their job. What I, yeah. If somebody wants to improve what they do in their job, um, what I like to, to do is I let them understand they know already what they need to do because they are doing the job, right? The intellect is there. I mean, they have the information, but they may not be using that information in their doing. Knowing and doing is 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 far apart, you know. Um, mm. Then there's a gap to to fill. But how do we do that? We have to understand this first: who we are. Why do we do what we do? Why do we use what we know and do it this way instead of that way? What is the right way to do it, right? So understand what we're looking for and how to get there. So this is again programming. Because you might say you have a goal to reach your numbers. Let's say somebody at work, their sales numbers, or let's say sales. Sales is easy to understand. Um, let's say somebody is doing $100,000 a month. So 1.2, is that 1.2 a year? Um, their average has been 100, and they want to do 200. That's the want in their conscious. Consciously, they want that. But it's been two, three years and nothing changes. They go to seminars, they go to workshops, they, they learn how to do better, they learn the tactics, they learn the mechanical part of, of their doing. But they don't understand the, I would use the word spiritual, for the lack of a better word, the, not religion, we're not talking religion, and, but they don't understand that there is a set of behaviors behind what they do. A set of, of core beliefs behind what they do. And therefore, this is what we want to change. Because the person who's selling $2 million a year versus $1 million is not necessarily smarter. This is not where the, that's what we think generally. That's what I used to think as well. But that's not the case at all. It's their internal behavior and their beliefs about who they are. It's a self image thing, if you can call it that. I've heard it described using the word mindset. Mindset, yes, mindset as well. Self-image is, is important, is, is key, because when we talk about self-image, which is in your subconscious mind, you cannot outperform your self-image. You can improve it, and that's what you work on. It's a mindset thing, absolutely. It's a different word. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. So when you started turning things around for your team back when you were a, a credit manager, um, your you were essentially uh, applying these principles to yourself and to your team as a whole. Were you doing this through kind of coaching conversations? I actually, at the beginning, I was not even aware that I was coaching. I was just being the manager, and I had been before, but my approach was changing. But I was unaware of, of that. It took people to ask questions, ask us what we were doing, for me to realize that's why I'm doing it. I'm doing the same thing, but different way, using different approach, having different 
conversation, meaning having the same conversation, but in a different way. I was asking more questions than telling people what to do. I actually come to a point where I stopped telling people what to do completely. I ask questions and they realize they already have the answers, but not the right questions. I believe we have it a little backwards. We, need, we think we need to know more. We think we need the answers. But I realize now that we already have the answers. It's the questions that we don't have. So when I understood that, I started, instead of teaching them what to do, I asked them how to answer their own questions, if that makes sense. I agree that for the most part, people have the answers to the questions that they ask, and they just need a way to access those answers and recognize them. And that's by asking the right questions. Exactly. And, 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 and one day, Bob Proctor, my coach, my mentor, told me, every question comes with the answer. I thought that was very profound. He says, every, any question, it already comes with the answer. And that's what we need to learn, how to get there. Could you elaborate on that a bit? He says, every question, he says, if you have a question, it's the same as if we have a goal that you want to reach, that means you can reach that goal. You may not believe it, but if you consciously you said, I want to do this, therefore you have it in you to get there. The potential is there. If you have a question at work, for example, because you have this question, it means you already have the answer, but you don't know the answer. Otherwise, you would not be able to answer the, to, to pose the question. You're asking a question because there's something in you that's looking for that answer. Therefore, you have the answer. This may not be a very, <laughs> very uh, logic, a logical way to say it, but I, I think it's 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 really real logical in my sense. But otherwise, you would not be asking the question. You have, you have an awareness. That is why you're asking the question. Hmm. I, the way I see it is that you have you know enough to if you know enough to ask a good question, then you know enough to pursue the answer yourself. So the answer, so the answer comes with the question. Yeah. So you eventually made this transition into full time coaching. And mm -hmm. through your mentor, Proctor. Um, tell me a little bit about what you do, um, how your day looks like on a typical work day. My day is almost every day the same um, in terms of what it looks like. I mean, I, I have a study, a study group every morning at 6, 6 to 7, a group of people we study together, we read and study together, and that's every day. Um, but I am up at 5.30. Before our study, I, I do a little prayer. Different from what I used to do, uh, because, <laughs> because of what I'm doing, now I can, I, can, I can think and question myself, right? And this is something that we, we all need to do, I believe. I used to, when we pray, we are asking. That's what I believe the meaning of prayer is. But we pray by habit. And we pray every day we ask the same thing almost. We don't realize what we're getting. So we keep praying. We don't stop and say, and to acknowledge what we're getting. 
And, and that's what I, I, I find that awareness is key. So what I do is I pray and I give thanks mostly because I, I, I can see now, I am aware that I'm getting what I need, what I'm asking for. And I do gratitude. I'm grateful for the people in my life. I'm grateful for my health. And as corny as it sounds, I'm grateful for waking up every morning. <laughs> I never thought of that before, right? I'm grateful I'm awake every morning, and uh, and I really do. And and the thing is, when I and, and to 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 talk about gratitude for a second, when I tell people, when I talk to people about gratitude, my clients, and all that, I say, don't just say the words. Don't just write down. When you're grateful, even if you don't write it down, you have to feel the, the gratitude. If you don't feel it, it's only it becomes an intellectual exercise, right? Being grateful is not an intellectual thing; it's an emotional thing. That's when transformation can become. And uh, and I do gratitude every morning. I write my goals, even if it's the same goal. I write it every day, twice a day, morning and afternoon. And because I'm impressing that upon my, I remind myself of the goal, so I write it down, and I do some affirmation. Every day that I came up myself with, and the reason I do affirmation because I already wrote it down, so I know what it is. Why do I have to affirm all the time, right? I I learned that when you speak, when you hear what you're saying, you're paying attention. One for one, you're paying attention, and secondly, when you speak, there's vibration mm. in speech. That's how we hear the vibration really pulls that down into your subconscious. Like It doesn't just remind you when you're doing your affirmation. It actually plants those seeds in your subconscious mind, if that makes sense. And uh, and then I start my day like that, and then I do my activities. I look at you know who replied to my emails and who are the, the people I need to talk to, because I'm all, every day I'm looking to talk to prospects a couple of hours a day. That's how I work on that. And then I like to spend a few minutes on content because I do a, a webinar once a month online because I cannot do seminars anymore, at least for not for now. So I prepare some contents and I do some reading. And there's always a couple of books on the go with me. And I have them on my desk all the time. One of them is this, The Hidden Power. That's Thomas Troward. My favorite book of all times is The Power of Awareness, Neville Goddard. This book is worth, there's no price. That's my, my, yeah, I, I, I like to read as well. And my day ends with, you know, I'm at home. I mean, and I, I, it's not because of the pandemic. I've been working at home since the past four years now, for the past four years. And uh, <laughs> I go upstairs and downstairs all the time. And my phone tells me how many steps I've taken because you can't really go out and it's minus whatever. And uh, and I do some exercise like that. So typical ordinary day, but I, I fill my day with things. But I like to, and I still work on that all the time, I like to be more conscious of what I'm doing. And uh, because I, re I realized that I've, all of my life before I started doing this, I was living in an unconscious manner. I try to live more consciously, live more consciously, being in the moment, as we say. Yeah, that's basically how my day goes. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a really good summary. Uh, you talked about prospecting earlier. 
and uh, talking to you know potential new clients. Well, what uh, is the best? I guess what's a good place to be for a client in order for them to maximize the value of coaching? You know, where do they need to be in terms of their their mindset and their self awareness? First, when, when we call when we talk about prospects, it means like it's somebody who already knows they want something different, right? They want to go from a certain place to a certain place. They want to go from where they are to where they want to be. Let's put it this way. So that's an awareness in, its, in itself that uh, I may, I know that I can do certain things, but I don't know how to get there. So this is awareness. And uh, that's mean they have, an, they are open to accept information, to accept ideas, to at least to listen to whether they will accept the idea. Doesn't mean everybody I talk to accepts the idea that I share with them, uh, but most do, and <laughs> fortunately. Um, but but that's the mindset has to be the willingness, be open to listen to what else is there. And then I mean the work is after, but at least this this the stage has to be. Yes, tell me. Tell me what I what what I can do, and, and maybe I don't know where how to do that. But let tell me, share with me. So that's that's a place where they need to be first. You know, have the open mind. Yeah, they have to be coachable. Yes, not be too logical about things. Accept new ideas, and then see if this is resonating with them. Be coachable, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's very important. So what would you say makes a good coach? A good coach is somebody who who really is interested in somebody's progress, if you will. Like Stephen Covey, I believe, who said that. He's gone now. Uh, I love this teacher. He says, um, when you listen, listen to understand, not just to hear. He says, most of us, we think we're listening, but we're just hearing. What people are saying, and but if you if you really are present, you forget everything else. You're giving somebody your full attention. You listen to understand. That is one of the that's the main quality of being a good coach. You know? but then you have to have you have to be able to inspire the person to motivate them. You, then the mechanical things comes in. But if you are not really present. To listen to understand where the person is, you're not going to be able to help them. I think that's the number one thing. You were one hundred percent right. Yeah, yeah. When I was learning coaching, they taught us about four levels of coaching or uh, four levels of listening. Of listening. Uh, there was, you know, kind of passive listening. There was active listening. There was uh, listening with your. Um, with your sight as well, looking at body language, and and also reading between the lines of look, listening to tone and energy. Yeah, body language is 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 is, is key actually. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it, it sums up in, in really to understand what the person is saying, not just hearing, but really getting uh, 
everything that they're saying. Because sometimes when somebody is telling you, as you said, between the lines, that's a good uh, way of putting it. You ask somebody a question, they give you an answer, and you know, you can tell. You know, they're judging, but you can tell this is not the answer they want to give you. It's, it's intuition as well. Your, your intuition will tell you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Intuition plays a big role. So in terms of education, uh, you started this process by, you know, reading some books and, and receiving some mentorship along the way. Um, how formal is that process? Well, when, when we talk about coaching, it, 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 it can only be formal because there's also mentoring. Mentoring is different. There's a difference. When you ask this question, I'm thinking also of mentoring. But coaching, I believe, is a formal process. Somebody wants to go, as I was saying earlier, from where they are to where they want to be. There's a process. If they do it by themselves, they might take 10 years. If they do it with an experienced coach, they might take a few months. And, uh, and, 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 and coaching, is, to me, is a formal process. You guide somebody in, based on their wants, based on what they need and what they want. And, uh, and you help them there. And to answer your question, maybe I, I want to add mentoring as well. Mentoring is different. Mentoring is like having, a, if you will, a good friend with experience to guide you along the path of where you want to go. And then, and, and, uh, yeah, to answer, uh, just to ask a follow-up, you know, how does somebody learn how to be a coach? How do you learn how to be a coach? This is a good question. I think it's not just about the learning, because when you learn, you're a student first. Let me put it this way. You have to be a student first. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to, to humble yourself, to understand, I don't know much. I need to unlearn what I, I don't need, and I need to relearn what I need to learn. Be open to that. And, uh, and that's I think, is, is primordial. Because if you, everybody needs an ego, right? People when hear the word ego say, oh, that's, but we need an ego. If we don't have an ego, we're dead. Um, but we, we, we cannot have an ego problem, which is a different. So when we want to be a coach, when we know we don't have the ego that sometimes the student will teach us something, that's how open we want to be. Sometimes the student will say something that I, I say, wow, I, you know, I didn't know that, and I get an awareness. A coach is always learning. A coach is always, always learning. And the education is ongoing. And it comes from books. It comes from being aware. It comes from accepting new ideas. It comes from accepting to test your own ideas, not to be logical all the time. Because logic is, is, is going to kill you. It can't be logical. If we, if we were only logical, we would not be flying today. Airplanes would not be there. We would not be. This is a very illogical thing. That's one of the most illogical thing we can look at, and yet it's here, right? Yeah, logic doesn't have a lot of imagination. Mm -hmm. But education is ongoing. I mean. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. What advice would you give yourself uh, when you were a teenager before you went to higher education? 
<laughs> that's a good question. Um, you know, um, knowing what I know now, of course, as a teenager, I would not have had the experience because the years give you experience, right? Being alive, going through life gives you experience. But for myself as a teenager, I would think, you know, I was never a leader when I, I know that. I was always a follower. Let's go there, we'll just go. Let's do this, we'll just do. And um, I would tell my teenage self, you know, pay attention. Just be aware of who you follow and how do you choose the people you follow, your friends. Because I remember it's Jim Rohn who said, you are the average person of the five person you spend the most time with. And that because of their habits, their language, their ideas, and, and all this becomes you. I mean, we are all, we become a, a team, if you will. I would tell my teenage self to be aware of who you spend a lot of time with. Be aware who you allow to influence your way in life. Because that impacts who you become. Um, and and as a teenager, teenagers means like from 13 to 19. So it's a, it's a wide range. I think the older teenager can understand that. Uh, a 13-year-old may not understand, uh, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think it's a concept that uh, as we go along a little older, we can understand. But I would still instill that in, the, in, in, in my teenage self. Be aware of, of what you, of what you, of who you surround yourself with, and be aware of what you think before you say something. We make so, our mouth is such. A, we say all kinds of things because we think all kinds of things, and awareness is not there. I would I would teach my teenage self to be aware, more aware, of of self. It takes many years to develop that level of awareness. Yes, and and and, and some call that wisdom. And I don't know if uh, if we become wise. I think what wisdom is a concept, uh, as as the same as perfection. We, we never can become perfect. The essence of who we are is perfect. You know, we we were created. You know, the essence of who we are is perfect, but we don't do things perfectly. And 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 uh, and I and I think if the day we believe we are perfect, it's time to leave. Because there's nowhere to, there's nothing above perfection, right? That's why I believe perfection only exists in the dictionary. What's the best thing about being a coach? Oh, <laughs> there's a lot of good things. But I, I believe the best thing is to really, the more I coach somebody, the more I understand me. That's one thing. And I, I absolutely believe 100% that. And but the best, the best thing about being a coach is to really, when somebody is has told you what they want, what they want to do, like get me from here to there, like you can, you when when you when you see that you're not telling them, you're just opening the door and you let them do it. I think a coach, like a leader, um, should not tell you what to see, but can point you in the right direction. If that makes sense, can you tell you which way to go, but let you see what you have to see for yourself, and make corrections along the way? Yeah, that's a delicate balancing act. You know, a lot of times you might feel like you 
there's an obvious answer in front of you, but the client is not seeing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of hold yourself back? Yeah. And, 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 and you said that the right way. You said that very eloquently, a delicate balance. And, um, and, and I think a coach, even a mentor, should never assume that I have all the answers because nobody does really, right? Nobody does have the answers. But a coach may not have all the answers for you as a client, let's say, but they should be able to to help you find the answer, find the path toward the answer. Because of, of, they have to be have a little bit of wisdom to be in the in, the, in that seat of, of being a coach, right? And 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 you know what? Uh, I think I, I I should add this. Um, since <laughs> I was little, I always like to to when, when somebody like let's say for Christmas, you may get. You don't know about expensive toys and not expensive toys. You, you know, you're very little. When you see a child lights up when they grab this thing that they got for Christmas. I say Christmas because Christmas is when we get toys, right? Um, it's in their eyes. You know, their face lights up, but it's in their eyes. And when you have a coaching client, I say that because of, of the experience I'm having now, that I have been having is when a light bulb moment shines just like that, you can see it in their eyes. And that is a feeling that that's the psychic income that we get as a coach. You know, we get paid for what we do, but that's one thing. There's a psychic income. That's Maybe that's the answer. There's a psychic income you get when somebody really gets the transformation, gets the the aha moment as or whatever we call it. I think that that's priceless. The aha moment. Yeah, that's priceless. You know, that, that's the transformation, if you will. I think that should be the answer. What's the best thing about being a coach? It, it's that. It sounds very personally rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it, it's uh, very few, very few. I don't call that a job, but if we if we call it a job, in, in very few jobs you get this satisfaction that you see somebody transform, and you don't give yourself credit for it. You just you're just helping them find themselves. You know, they 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 get the credit. I I it's off topic here, but. I have a client uh, who is not directly, It's the, we, we're done with the coaching. Each time we speak, oh, I cannot, you know, thank you enough for, but you don't have to thank me. You have to thank you. You did. You know, I went to shopping for you. I went to grocery shopping. I prepared the meal. I put it in front of you and on the table, but you ate that food. I cannot eat for you. So stop saying that I transform your life. I didn't. You did. It's priceless. How has being a coach changed your personal relationships and how you approach them? You know, before answering that question, I would like I would say people know you for who you have been all the time. Let's say you 
transition into coaching at 30 or 40 or 50, whatever, all the way until it became that, people know you for X, who you are. It's very difficult for people to accept you for who you are becoming. It takes a while. That's why we say people take you for granted. And they cannot see, strangers will see that because they don't know you from before. You see where I'm going with this? Strangers will accept you because they don't know you from before. They, know, they hear your story, but they were not living that story together with you. With all your mistakes and your weaknesses, and we all have them, we all make mistakes. But somehow the people in your family, especially, who are very close to you, takes a long time to accept you as the new person you became. Because, <laughs> because we relate to who, who they know of you. But how we change my relationship is, after, it takes a little while, but people start understanding, who are you? <laughs> who are this new you, right? And, and you're more appreciative of them, and they, eventually they become more appreciative of you. I mean, your relationship grows like, like you. It's, it's, it's hard to explain. Your relationship becomes more tighter, tighter, but then it takes a little while. It just doesn't happen because, because they know you for who you were. I'm not sure this is the answer you're looking for, but I'm, I'm, I'm putting that in a sense of instead of just telling you my relationship changed like very dramatically in the positive, it did, but it took a while to get there because they have to understand what's going on first. What's the worst thing about being a coach? I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think sometimes we forget what we we do or what we preach, and uh, we let ourselves down if somebody didn't really achieve the success that you were trying to help them achieve. Um, you believe you let them down, which is not true. I I, I have gone through that transition. I do my best to help someone. I am interested in their in their growth. I I'm interested in helping them. And when I'll give you an example. I have one of my very first clients, somebody who I've known for well over four years now. Um, we did the coaching program. It's a, it's a program that I teach. Now I have more than one program but at the, at the time. And um, it, it's a six months program. Nothing happened for this guy. A guy who is, who is married, has two kids, like somebody who is responsible for people, responsible in, in life. Nothing happens. He spent the money and I thought I failed him. But I realized it wasn't me who failed him. Um, it took him longer to really open his eyes because there was more than what he, what he, I use the word disclosed, if you will. There was more than he disclosed. There was a lot of things that he was doing that he didn't like, that he never told me about. So we, we never touched on any of that, right? And uh, And he wasn't able to get to the breakthrough he was looking for. 
And I'm thinking, why was I'm, uh, am I not able to help this guy? It wasn't me not helping him. I was doing what I was doing based on what he asked me for help for. Right? And I realized, like, but that's not the worst part of being a coach. I mean, I used to have these moments. I've had that a couple of times. But now I realize I do my best. And um, if somebody doesn't get through, I keep working with them. Right? Somebody will, will, will work with me for six months. If they don't, it, it happens very rarely, though, because when people want something, they really want and they do what is required. But from time to time, they cannot explain why they are not able to change. Let's say that, to change. Because a change is required, right? And uh, and I don't, I don't have these moments anymore. So it would have been that is the worst thing to be a coach. That's really interesting. You know, taking responsibility... Uh, for the outcome mm-hmm. is often very painful and uh, because it's largely out of your control. That's right. That's right. But when, when you're starting, you're, you may not be aware that it's out of your control. You think this is the work that you have to do and you always see the results and this is what they have to get. It's, it's really not 100% up to you. It has very little to do with you anyway. How did you get your first coaching client? Ah, I can see that already. Um, I have uh, this uh, financial planner that uh, we, we've been with her for a long time. We, we become friends. Um, that's going close to five years ago now. I was in her office and uh, she says, so what are you up to these days? And, and I was telling her, I was telling her that I'm quitting. I'm, I'm going to do this. She says, oh, wow. She says, I can see you do that, and because uh, we've known each other for a long time. And without asking, she says, oh, by the way, I have this client, <laughs> her client, like me, <laughs> so-and-so, uh, who's a sales director. He says, you know what you're telling me? I think you should have a conversation with, with him, with so-and-so. And I was looking for a client. That was my first client. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a good story of, of what he wanted to do. There had to be, he was working in a corporate job, successful guy, but his dad has a company uh, cleaning equipment. And um, want, his dad wanted him to, to take on the company, but that wasn't, he didn't want that at all. And that was the expectation. So he had to go through that and, and manage through that. So we, we worked together on that. That was my first client. Awesome. Yeah. That's great to have somebody refer people to you and trust that you can. And she referred somebody to me based on nothing, really. I had never had a client before. But based on what our personal relationship, and she said, hey, I can see you do that kind of stuff. That's exactly what she said. Kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to quit your corporate job, you had not started your business yet. You didn't start coaching. No, I, I hadn't. But what I realized is when, when I had the conversation, I said to Rabiel, you know what, I want to do this as a coach, but I don't have any experience in, in this coaching thing. I say I love the material, I love the study, and, and I know I, I can see the growth because I've, I've 
what we talk about. He says, but but you have been doing this already. I said, no, I haven't. I mean, I haven't started. And he said, you have been doing this already. Three times he told me the same thing. And then it dawned on me. I mean, he didn't, he didn't give me the answer. And then I realized what he meant. I was doing it at work already, but I wasn't doing it like a formal thing. My management way of doing my thing was turned into coaching. I didn't even consciously realize that. And yes, then I did that, yeah. Without uh, without having it like a part, I, I cut the, you know, I burned the ship, as we say. I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, transition slowly and do I didn't do that. I, I jumped. You went all in. I jumped in. <laughs> yeah. And and there's there's something that uh, I believe not too many people teach. Uh, Bob teaches. I mean, how do you believe in yourself? Uh, and it's not some ego thing at all. How do you believe in yourself? What tells you that you're going to be successful? You know, how do you know, right? And 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 it's it's. Having faith in yourself. I mean, you have to believe, and and that came from the power of visualization. And uh, I was doing that part of my coaching uh, studies, if you will. And this is a book that I keep reading. Uh, I like to talk about books, right? <laughs> and uh, and this this book tells you, this book tells you about visualization, your invisible power. And a uh, little book, very small. And that book gave me the, the faith in me, really, to, to go and to go for it. And if you can see it, somebody said, if you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. It's, it's not easy to believe that. But once you really understand that, once you really believe, actually, I shouldn't say understand, once you really believe that, you know it can happen. So I jumped right in. I didn't. I didn't try to transition or anything. That that was really brave. Mm. <laughs> some some might say foolish. <laughs> Depends on how it turns out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. So, yeah, you've mentioned a lot of books so far. I'm wondering what your favorite book is at this point. Oh, my favorite book is this, Power of Awareness. Power of Awareness. Power of awareness. And, 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 and he says in many ways here that uh, you have to feel the, you have to go with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. You have to go with the feeling of the wish fulfilled. Everything is emotion. I mean, the same as I was talking about uh, earlier, we mentioned gratitude, right? If you, yeah. if, you, if you do gratitude as an intellectual exercise, you just write it down and say, I'm grateful for this, this, this. Well, yeah, you are. But feeling it is what makes it different, what makes giving the transformation. And uh, if I can summarize what this book says, it's just that he says that a hundred times in the book. You have to feel the feeling of the wish fulfilled. You have to know that when you, you have a goal, you have to see it and feel it and, and live that already in your mind. And and that's there's a process for that too, right? How do you do that? You're just pretending, you know? You're just yeah, you're pretending. 
but you're not pretending. Subconscious mind is very powerful. Very powerful. We're just not aware how powerful it is, and we're all using it the same way. But sometimes negative, sometimes positive. Mm, so it goes further than visualization and into a more rich state of being. Yes, yes. It's uh, it's a knowing, really. It's it's really a knowing. Uh, and that comes also, could be coming from perception as well. How do you perceive yourself? How do you perceive things? No. Hmm. Anyways. I just love it. Awesome. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check out that book. Mm-hmm. Power of Awareness. And who's the author? Power of Awareness is the Neville, Neville Goddard. Neville, Neville Goddard. Goddard. Awesome. Excellent. So where can people find you uh, if they're interested in um, this style of coaching? Well, it's easy to find me. I mean, my name, I'm on... I'm, I'm, on Facebook, you can befriend me on Facebook, or you can find my website. Um, my name, first name is Jude. My website is jude.thinkingintoresults.com. Thinkingintoresults.com. And uh, you can contact me from there. You can contact me by email, by text, by, you know. I have to put it somewhere for people to see <laughs> where they can find yeah. me. But yeah, that's that's the way to find me. You mentioned, you know, how to to reach your goals, I believe. I don't know if you mentioned that. And uh, I think there's something that we don't learn in school. We don't learn to think. And sometimes people have I've been offended in, in, in live <laughs> uh, events when I do a seminar. And uh, I say, we don't really think. And people, Some people get upset uh, because they didn't understand what I was saying. Uh, because mental activity, it's always going on. That doesn't constitute thinking, really. Um, because if, if you look at, if you watch people, what they're saying and doing, most of the time, they would not be doing what they are doing and saying what they are saying most of the time if they were thinking, right? And uh, and thinking is a skill that we can learn, but we don't teach that in school. Um, yeah. Making decisions is a skill that we should learn, and we don't learn that in school, right? Earning money is something we should learn in school. We learn to count the money in school, where to put the money, but we don't learn where to... The first step is to earn it. <laughs> And I don't think we earn. We we, we earn. We, we teach economics and all kinds of stuff, but we don't teach people how to earn the money. We tell people go to work earn some money. That's not a good way to earn a living. So what I'm saying is, we want to learn to think really. And thinking is a skill, and and that's why we called uh, this program thinking into results. You think your way into your results. That's why he. He calls the book Think and Grow Rich, right? That doesn't mean we sit and think and we grow rich, but it's the process, right? We think, thinking, thinking is, is key. If we learn to think, we start, we start getting a little bit ahead. Awareness, awareness is key. Awareness is key. You see, we're all about intellect. 
and uh, but we're not aware of, of of who we are. You have to start there. Mm-hmm. And who we are. Yeah. Awareness of our inner selves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for for doing this. Excellent. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Um, this has been a great conversation, and uh, I can't wait to share it with everyone. Thanks for listening. Got any requests or future guests? Contact me on yahyakala.com and send me a DM on LinkedIn or wherever else you find me. I'll try my best to find that astrobiologist you've been waiting to hear from. Anyway, see you next week. <laughs>